welcome to the Nectar Series podcast. This is a community building exhibition that will collect beautiful stories, sweet like nectar, from members of our community and be used to weave a patchwork of narratives that connect each of us through our common past, present, and future. Today, we're speaking with Kelly Brown. We are so excited to be launching our Calliope Summer Camps for 2021. This is a one-week theater camp extravaganza. The first week is June 7th through 12th. This is for first through fourth graders. And the second week is June 14th through 19th. And this is for fifth through eighth graders. Every day there will be singing and acting and dancing classes in the morning, followed by rehearsals for a brand new Calliope show in the afternoon. The cost is $150 per student, and there are scholarships available. If you want to find out more information, visit www.calliopestage.com. We can't wait to see you there. Ashley, can you give us some background on Kelly? Yes, I would love to. Okay, so Kelly Brown came to Jackson County around 2013 um, uh, for a position as a collegiate ministry intern. His degree's in religion. And he loved it so much that he stayed, which we often find is the case for transplants um, in Jackson County. Um, everybody loves it so much that they stay. Um, in this episode, we talk about how he fell in love with the region and was inspired to get involved in local issues such as politics, a slew of nonprofits, and especially get involved with the people of the community. Um, I feel like you can only go maybe like every three websites without seeing Kelly Brown's name attached to that organization or that company or that person. Um, he's just- You're totally right. <laughs> he's just so widely known. And I think it is an absolute testament um, to his spirit and his energy that he puts into the community. Um, if he wants to be involved with a certain initiative or if he wants to be, as he talks about in the room where decisions are made, he will make sure that he involves himself and commits to that. And um, I think that's something that's really special about him and that has put him um, in a pretty prolific place in the community. 100%. If you, after listening to this episode, want to continue to follow Kelly on social media, you can find him on Instagram at that underscore KB. He's also involved in a ton of nonprofits in the area, and you can always visit him and his amazing team at the Bear Lake Reserve, which is beautiful. He is also the executive lead for Calliope Stage, so get ready to see him around the theater. And what a journey that was. I just want to quick mention, so the first, uh, Kelly and I had operated in a lot of the similar circles um, the, uh, since my time here in Western North Carolina as well. And, but it wasn't until this past fall where we actually sat down and had a conversation. And look at us now. He um, thankfully uh, saw something special in our company and uh, wanted to get involved. So yes, now he's going to be working with us on the Calliope Stage team as well. So we can't wait. We hope you will enjoy listening to our conversation and the stories from Western North Carolina activist, father, and friend, Kelly Brown. Hello listeners, Calliope Stage has a really exciting event coming up we want to tell you about. In August, we'll be presenting our very first live theatrical production outdoors in downtown Silva, North Carolina. We believe the majesty of the Appalachian Mountains houses a tremendous opportunity for new theater. And in August, we will show you exactly what we mean. 
23 artists have worked three months to create 10 new original shorts or short pieces of theater. And each of these shorts uh, tells a story rooted in our Western North Carolina region. These writers, historians, choreographers, composers, musicians, and the list goes on, have created some really dynamic pieces, and we cannot wait to share Calliope Shorts with you, our audience and supporters, first, right here in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. So check out our website to learn more and reserve your tickets for those first two weekends in August. They are limited due to COVID-19 seating arrangements, but you definitely don't want to miss this, and we cannot wait to see you at the theater. Hi, Kelly. Hey, thanks. I'm so glad to be here uh, on the podcast with you all. We're so happy to have you. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about how you identify? So I like to identify as a proud community member of Silva in Jackson County. Have lived here since 2013 and have been um, professionally in community um, engagement involved in a plethora of ways, um, if you will. And, um, you know, I, I went to college in a small, I grew up in a city in Eastern North Carolina and then went to college in a small town that makes Silva look like Charlotte. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, um, came to Silva and this, community is just something very unique that I fell in love with and the the humans here the interactions that you get to have with people it's just sweet and good and so I came here to live for a year in 2013 and now it's 2020 <laughs> Kelly <laughs> Kelly I don't mean to alarm you but it's been more than a year yeah, a lot longer <laughs> than a year. And you know what? Now they can't get rid of me. You know, I always say like, I don't make a million dollars here, but it'd take a million dollars for me to leave. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's great. Thank you, Kelly. We we first want to hear from our guests, you know, why are you here? What, how did you make your way to Jackson County, which you did talk about a little bit. And you also talked about why you stayed. Can you tell us or talk to us a little bit more about the ways that you most connect with the community? I, I most connect with Silva in the uniqueness of it and the diversity of people. And, you know, I just had this conversation tonight right before I um, joined this conversation. And um, a unique thing about Silva is that you know, we're in election season and I drive past a sign on Skyland Drive every day that says bear hunters for Biden. Um. <laughs> yes, I've seen it. No, it's brilliant. If you haven't seen this sign, it's, it's just, it's a, amazing. It's, it it right? looks homemade. It's perfect. It's they're yeah. all, they have an all black background. And then it's as if someone like took stenciling, stenciling. and white paint. Yeah. Um, and it says, yeah, bear hunters. Jessica, that was my face too, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. And like, you're just like, wait, oh, okay. You know, it's <laughs> like perfect. I literally, yeah. 
I saw it shared on Facebook and then I drove past it because we live off Skyland Drive, my partner and I, and I like literally just stopped in the middle of the road and stared for a minute because I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, you know, but those are the things that makes Silva so unique um, and so special because in the the polarization of where we are right now, I would never think that a bear hunter and I as a black male living in Silva would have something in common, especially when it came to voting. Um, But we do, you know, and I think that's a unique, you know, I mean, when you look at, um, and obviously I'm dropping straight into politics, which, um, I know that we don't want that to be the entirety of our conversation, but when you look at Silva, like in in our last presidential election, there wasn't a big gap between the Democratic president and the Republican presidential nominee losing. I mean, I think we're talking maybe like 10 to 20 votes at most. Um, and so I think that's very unique for a small mountain town in Appalachia. Definitely, 100%. Yeah, and I think Silva is a unique, special place in so many ways. And um, I love the opportunity of living in a small town and getting to know people in these authentic ways and like you know when Ashley and I had a conversation um about all of this coming to be with the podcast series and all of that we knew all of the same people and it was almost like I met a I met a new best friend that I hadn't (laughs) even seen you know and also you're going how have we not been in front of each other before yeah 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 (laughs) you know it's like we know all the same people. We have all the same feelings. We have all the same thoughts and we have kids. And I was a childcare director forever. So it was just kind of like, what? How have we not met? Oh my God. Like I'm hugging you through the phone in this conversation, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then COVID came and we couldn't really hug. Yeah. You know, like- <laughs> in spirit, always in spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's a unique thing about Silva. I think, you know, in so many ways um, that there's just like, you know, I grew up as an only child. um, And so I'm very comfortable with going out in town by myself. And there's very few times that I go out in town by myself and don't run into a friend or, you know, something someone that I know that I know through someone or something, you know, and I love that. Like, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. our own little cheers, if you will, of like, it's nice to go (laughs) to a place where everyone knows your name. It's nice to be in a community where everybody knows your name for the good or bad. (laughs) Well, it keeps us accountable, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, a little bit, yeah. Well, and can you tell our audience as well, what what is your purpose in the communities? What what are some of the organizations that you work with or help out? What do you do in the community? Um, so one of my reasons for enjoying living in a small community is because you really get to become a part of the community. You get mm. 
to really become inter interwoven into that fabric of the community. And I think that's very important. And so I, I'm involved on multiple, the Arts Council, um, the NAACP, Reconcile Silva, you know, like there's multiple boards and community organizations that I'm a part of um, that work in many different ways to support and bring good to this wonderful community. Um, and sometimes, you know, the interesting thing is some of the boards I um, am on do this, like, they're like, no, that's not what I'm about. And so I'm actually like able to kind of stand in a, on a precipice sometimes. And I, I really enjoy that. And I also enjoy that as a black male in this community, especially as we're continuing to have conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion um, as we move forward. Um, and so that's interesting, um, in, in many ways. And it's also very interesting because I'm in our interracial partnership. Uh, and so that provides a different kind of layer <laughs> of conversation, um, in a rural Appalachian town that I think is great. Um, and gets wheels turning, you know, even in my partner's uh, sphere, who is from Louisiana and grew up in some systemic racist culture. Um, and I am from Eastern North Carolina and grew up in a different kind of systemic racist culture where the Ku Klux Klan still has active chapters. Um, I could take you to downtown in my hometown right now and you know what's in the middle of the roundabout you go through in our downtown? The Market House. I'm quite aware that that's probably how my family ended up in that town. Um, and so having those conversations um, and my presence here, um, I think allows some opportunity to have some unique conversations um, that maybe wouldn't be had. Um, and one unique thing I think about Jackson County as a whole is that we have the Koala Boundary and we also have this amazing university um, that is very diverse um, and unique and just hired their first African-American vice chancellor that is the athletic director. Um, so that's a former alumni of Western. So yeah, claps to that. Um, the tide's turning and we're having difficult and hard conversations, especially when it comes to a sitting Confederate statue in our community. Um, and so we're moving forward in a lot of really good, thoughtful ways in this community. And I'm grateful to be a part of lots of those conversations in many ways. Mm -hmm. This is like, there's not a night this week that I hadn't been on like six Zoom calls. So, and you know, like I've got two more after this. So, <laughs> and, and, and I think that's important, um, you know, as, as someone who is raising a child in this community that's dealing with a black step parent, um, she's gonna have a different perspective. And I want her to know that we're working hard on her behalf, and I'm also working hard on the behalf of the children that she might have um, yeah. in that. And um, 
us millennials, we're in our own civil rights um, movement um, and want to contribute to that in the best way I can because my ancestors also worked really hard for me to be able to be a black man that's educated, living in Silva, in an interracial relationship with a blue-eyed, red-headed stepchild. <laughs> um, and making change. Yeah. And making change. Truly. Yeah. Today's episode of the Nectar Series is brought to you by Anchor. Our mission here at the Nectar Series is to share stories. Use Anchor to elaborate. Anchor provides you with the tools to tell it all. Not only do they provide unlimited free hosting for your podcast, Anchor supports your podcast with blog entries and answers questions on monetization and making your podcast fun and entertaining. Visit anchor.fm to find everything you need to make a podcast all in one place for free. That's anchor.fm. I actually want to go, um, if you've ever emailed back and forth with Kelly, you'll probably notice the Maya Angelou quote that he has at the bottom mm -hmm. of his email signature. And I actually just wanted to bring that up because I think it is fitting in quite nicely kind of with some of the sentiments that you're bringing forth today. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it for everybody. We can learn to see each other and see ourselves in each other and recognize that human beings are more alike than we are unalike. Can you maybe just talk a little bit more about the meaning behind that quote for you um, as it pertains to kind of what you've been talking about? Yeah. In the county? Um, you know, you know, this is a funny opportunity for me to say, I got white friends. Like, you know, white people are always saying, I got black friends. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I would take that opportunity, but- um, <laughs> Take it, take it. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think one thing that's really great um, that we forget a lot um, because like we're in this really, I don't know the right word and I'm gonna say dichotomy, but I don't know if that's the right word. Um, or divisive, and I don't know if divisive is the right word. I think we're having to have these really hard conversations as a people about celebrating our diversity, you know, and, and, and celebrating the fact that we are the greatest country in the world um, in many ways, and people look to us for leadership. Other countries um, tend to look to us for leadership and right now we're kind of in an implosion on that. And the matter of humankind and being kind to each other and being able to say, Ashley and Jessica, I see your humanness and I know that you're trying the hardest that you can um, to understand my perspective. We're losing that. And I really want us to hold on to that. And another, I'm a Maya Angelou junkie, so <laughs> lots of quotes from Maya Angelou. But, you know, one of my other favorite quotes by her is, when I learned better, I did better. And, you know, so much of what's going on in our world right now um, stems back in many ways to education and what we decide um, as adults um, to become educated on and um, confront the false narratives that we've been fed 
you know, I have so how we're going to teach, right? Yeah. And how we're going to teach as a former preschool and after school and summer camp director, you know, I totally feel that about teaching in a way that appreciates everybody. Um, and I did that in the Christian sphere and it really like bothers me that Christians aren't getting that right now. Cause let's be honest, if anybody should get it, it should be the Christians, but that's a whole nother podcast, but I, I would host that podcast as well. Yeah. And do that after this. Girl, go <laughs> ahead and sign me up. <laughs> First guest for that one yeah. too. Yeah. Just... <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's very important for us to continue to have these conversations of talking about the human, the humankind of people and we live in this place where we really should be celebrating our diversity. Like, I don't want to agree on everything. Like, I think we need to have that civil discourse. Like, I got a degree in religion. That was one of the best things about it. Is that, you know, like, Christians are consistently, like, bumping heads, you know, right. and, and, and talking about contextualization and what we believe. And when it gets down to the nitty gritty of gay marriage and, you know, I'm quite proud to say that the first wedding I ever did was a gay wedding yes. for some friends I went to high school with. Um, and, and that was based on the fact that like love is love. And I don't want my government telling me who I can and can't love. Like there, there was, there would have been a time where me and my current partner, people would be shooting our house up. Granted, people already want to do that because we're being progressive in the community. And like, there would be a time where it would have been illegal for us to be in love with each other. Mm -hmm. And we need to think about that. Like we need to think about where we've come from, but also where we need to go. And I, I think, um, I like to say a lot of times, like I, I think of this as a millennial because I went to college at 17 and it was in 2008. We're the same person, Kelly. Yes. You know, like I, <laughs> I was so happy to see a black man become our president and it provided me now like at 30 in thinking about what that did for me. Um, I didn't appreciate it 17, but I was also 17. Uh, <laughs> we all been there. Um, but yes, you know, like, yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. It set a trajectory for me of saying, I mean, and we know what culture has taught the black male um, to believe about being apologetic and being scared and, you know, your voice doesn't matter and like, shut up, like you're only gonna end up in prison. You know, like we, we know all that. And we can, we can have that conversation. That's a whole nother podcast too. But, um, <laughs> you know, like we, we, we're, Barack Obama did a, a a significant favor and um you know I, I watched the Michelle Obama documentary and her um talking about that experience and how they took things that she said out of context and all that and she was like they never did this to any other first lady why are they doing it to me and you know one of the things she says in that documentary is someone looked at her and said girl you the first black first lady like duh you know and um to go back and i'm saying like that that was a very good trajectory for me to see like what the definition of a black male is 
is not me with my pants hanging down selling drugs and going to end up in prison. Um, but it also, I think, allowed us as a country to see a compassionate Black male. And that was something that we hadn't really talked about as a country, I think. Um, and so it really set a trajectory for me um, that I'm finally just now processing and understanding that it really kind of gave me a good little like nudge in the butt, you know, like, hey, man, like you can do this too. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite experiences that I get that I just luckily got to experience is that I got to be at a Montreat conference um, in Black Mountain on racism and diversity. And it was the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King speaking at Montreat. And guess who I got to meet at that? I got to meet John Lewis. And there's a picture of, like, I have a picture, and it's my favorite picture of me and John Lewis standing next to each other. And I'm not going to cry. Um, and But, you this know, this is a safe my, space for crying, though. Yeah, Just right? if you want to let a few tears go. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite things about it was that he, uh, get, one time I saw him walking by himself, and I was like, oh my God, John Lewis is walking by himself. We're secret service. And I was like, oh God, Kelly, like this dude has had like hoses turned on him, dogs unleashed on him. What does he need secret service for? But then when it came time, like, you know, and somewhere on a bookshelf, like I literally like have an autograph, like John Lewis's autograph. And the, the thing I remember is he took time with every single person in that line and he would say Ashley Jessica tell me your story who are you what do you do that's good work keep it up you know and like that for me was just this idea that a congressman I mean and not just any congressman a Mm -hmm. prolific congressman that like was on the front of social change in significant ways, um, especially for me as a Black male, um, just took time with people to listen to their story, you know? And, 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 and that goes back to that Maya Angelou quote that's at the end of my emails and, and saying like, seeing the humanity in people and, and being able to work across party lines. Right. Mm-hmm. That life-changing. I think that now in this community, you get to be that leader. You get to be the compassionate leader that you have looked up to and that's, and and compassionate leaders that have made impact on your life. You get to be for the people of Silva. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so exciting. Yeah. Important. But I also believe like this work, you know, when my, when my ancestors were doing this work, they weren't, they were, I hope doing it thinking about the future. Um, and, and when I do this work, I think about what I'm trying to do for my child, what I'm trying to do for my grandchildren. And I, I want to assume in my brain that my ancestors thought that they were fighting hard and doing this work in a way that I wouldn't have to deal with this crap. 
Um, And I think your ancestors were doing this work, you know, just as much, you know. Um, Exactly. You know, and I go back to John Lewis's funeral um, when Barack Obama said, Bull Connor ain't here anymore. Um, But there's some Bull Connors out there. And finding those Bull Connors of our day and saying, this ain't okay. It wasn't okay how long ago? So we're not going to allow it now. And I think we're in a place where millennials definitely are like, uh-uh, we ain't having this. <laughs> right, right. Speaking well, up and, and doing, doing yeah. work a little bit more. Yeah. Do you, you know, bringing this back actually, you know, to our community, do you, do you feel like the right conversations are happening? I think the right conversations are starting to happen. Um, And I think the right conversations are starting to happen. And I think why I'm saying that is because the the Department of Public Health um, released a statement within the past two to three weeks declaring racism as a... um, public health crisis. And from that, they have this whole web page on their website now that talks about equity in food, equity um, in gender, equity in resources. Um, It suggests books to like read your child about anti-racism. And when our county begins to do that work, that's significant. And, and, and we need our elected officials to get out and lead. I know there's someone within our community right now that um, is running for a county commissioner seat. Um, and when he was interviewed talking about the statue, he said it's nothing but a bunch of leftist crybabies whining. Um, tell me how you're gonna represent all people and you can say BS like that. Um, and so, and also, how will he support anti-racist work if he's willing to make statements like that? I've not met Tom Stribling. I don't know Tom Stribling, but if he's willing to make a statement like that, I'm guar- I would guarantee and think that he is not willing to support an anti-racist statement. What do you, what, what would you say is the antithesis of that? So what's the anecdote and why do you feel it's so important for our community and our elected officials to have this broader sense um, of who they're representing? Well, no matter what political side you're on, when you're refer- when you become that elected official, you are um, saying that I will represent all people, um, even the people that don't agree with me, and I will listen to those people and I'll be challenged by those people. And I don't think that anti-racist work is political. Um. No, actually, I'm not going to say I don't think. I know anti-racist work isn't political. Um, 
accepting people for the way they were created um, is not political. Um, deciding that you're not okay with racism is not political. Deciding that we need to um, bridge the gender gap is not political. It's 2020. Women should make the same amount as men. Um, we should not have this disproportionate amount of, um, especially in Jackson County, when we have a diverse state-supported college in this community, should our racial divide be so, so big? You know, when you look at the census data from the actual active amount of um, citizens that live in Jackson County versus the, act, the, the data of amount of diversity that you've got at Western, the gap is like so big, mm. it's unreal. And so I question that, you know, why is that gap so big? Do, does the individuals that are coming here for um, education, do they not feel safe in this community? I mean, how many times within the past few months have we heard about inappropriate racist things happening at the college campus from young adults? You know, and we know it's happening from older adults in, in our community. I've had the experience myself. Um, and so we as a community have some work to do. And we also at the same time need to really, um, in Appalachia where we live, need to be really looking for those Black Appalachian stories and trying to honor them. Um, there are people... Um, in this community that are black citizens that have roots here just as deep as the confederate bs that they're spewing you know and you know when you look at western western has a part of campus where they ask a whole african-american community and church to move so they could expand campus western needs to own that that's a form of systemic racism that you have to take in and talk about and it's uncomfortable you know and and but you need to work through that into a way of what structures and policies are you going to create within the county within our local government structures within western as a state supported institution um to bring diversity and equity and inclusion to the table um and that's hard work that's hard work. It's hard work for all of us because we have to dig within ourselves and, and see those nasty racist things that we don't want to admit. I call them the nasty nuances. Um, <laughs> you know, those nasty nuances are hard to really work through and deal with. Um, but it's important for us to deal with those things. There's, there's things in all of our family histories that we don't want to talk about. Um, there's things in all of our fam family histories that we don't like. Um, but I don't think that you negate that for being on the right side of history and saying, yes, my ancestors did that. That was not okay. But how do we move forward? I don't think that's a hard conversation, personally. How do we um, do better? 
yeah like how do we do better (laughs) like it's it's what what, what's so hard about that like it whether you have the liberal education or not think it's really hard for anyone to to question how you can do better and how you can see individuals as humans and appreciate their experience and listen to that experience The Nectar Series podcast is brought to you by Calliope Stage and Anchor. Logo designed by Zachary Alexander, music by Susan Pepper and Taylor Harris, and editing by Daniel Stanley. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow Calliope Stage on Instagram and Facebook at Calliope Stage. For more updates and ways to join our community, visit www.calliopestage.com.